Sports Magazine for free on iTunes. Unfortunately, the only weird part is because there's so many comedy shows at this station, we're actually under the free comedy section. Whatever people believe in. On Some Call Me Tim! Yes. That's the first time I've overshot the weird sound. That's because I'm out of practice. Back from vacation. Thanks for listening here to MutinyRadio.fm. This is Some Call Me Tim. I'm your host, Pam Benjamin, and I am with Sima. Sima, I forget your last name already. Sima Lieberman. Sima Lieberman. I was going to say Lieberman, but I didn't. Lieberman is right. Lieberman is right. Awesome. Uh, Hey, welcome to Mutiny Radio. Thank you. Yeah. Glad to be at Mutiny Radio. It's an exciting, it's exciting to have you here on Some Call Me Tim. Uh, This is the show where we discuss all the things that are unique about what you believe in. Uh, Some people talk about philosophy. Some people talk about God, where's my Jesus picture? Oh, usually I make you look deep. I usually start with this first question where I ask you to look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. But he's over here. And I'm Jewish. Oh, yeah. So we can guess. I still want you to look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. Okay. He's over here. Can you see him from here? I sure see him. You can see him. There he is. He looked deep into his eyes. Usually I I bring him out, but I didn't today. I'm looking into Um, his sparkly eyes. And uh, do you believe in Jesus? I... Well, do I believe in Jesus? It depends on what do you mean. And that's hey, that depends on what what you mean by believing in Jesus. Um, I am not a follower. I'm Jewish. I'm not like a follower of Jesus, but um, many of my friends really are are, are Christian and Baptist, Methodists, and I attend services with them sometimes, or sometimes around the dinner table they'll pray and talk about Jesus. So was that's he about a, it? Was he a dude that actually lived? Probably. So, okay, there we go. But do you think he was the son of God? Uh, that depends on who you are. Yeah, well, okay, see, you're a... Are you one of these newfangled liberal kids that... Uh, uh, without... Be, and was he related to... to in, in is Judaism, he, we don't follow Jesus. Then there Jesus you go. That's doing fine. his own and that's, thing. That's great. You know, he's doing his own... You know, he did his... He, like, Christians, he's... The son of their God, whatever you but want to even, do. I even don't know. Christians are so I don't divided. think about it. Well, there you go. You don't even think about it. That's no, that's a good answer. My, it's not in my reality. Good. Don't even think about it. So some people, when I ask them that question, they're like, yeah, Jesus is my best friend, and I talk to him all the time. And some people are like, yeah, he was an invisible friend I had when I was seven, but now that I'm an adult, I'm like, whatever. And some people are like, nah, he didn't even exist. There's a whole nother thing. Everybody's different, and that's kind of what this whole show is about, is like, where do you... And maybe some people are like, Jesus who? You know, like, is he... Like Buddhists, like, do they even know about Jesus? But it, it's just like an, a way in to talk about, like, for some, and that's another thing, like, do you have to believe in Jesus to be a moral person? Like, 
And some people would say yes. Some Christians think it's the only way. Or there's some immoral people who believe in Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what is morality? And like I was taught super Jesus-y and there is so much morality going on, except then they do some of the grossest things, but they're like, don't take your pants off. And it's like, okay. But then they want to take the other preacher. people's pants off. Right. Exactly. So then it's like a power move and it gets out of, but then is religion power to subjugate people or is it truly something that helps people? But then that's a double-edged sword too. Absolutely. It helps certain people. Then some people it's, it helps the worst. people. It oppresses people. It saves people. It kills people. It just, it's, you know, I mean, I, I, what I get tired of is when I see people say, there's only one way, there's only one way of thinking. Right. Uh, there's only one way to be religious hey there's lots of different ways to be religious and for some people it works some people it doesn't work but they're religious in their own selves because they believe in themselves they believe in something greater than themselves like maybe they believe in nature or love right well it seems like a lot of people believe in love I mean I've seen how many movies have there been that are based on I'm like and then they make up nobody loves like that are people really willing to kill for other people because they love this person so much like is that even healthy if you like well, kill out of, out of jealousy yeah, that's true too yeah and you know I don't really watch a lot of those super lovey movies anyway oh, they're kind of boring to me uh, yeah none of the you don't like all that kissy huggy I mean, some are okay. It depends on the plot. I mean, you know, I got to have a story. Yeah. And I got to like the story. Like, I just saw Black Klansman. That was a really good thing. I saw Black Klansman. I was so sorry to bother you before that, and I love that. And both, I haven't seen either, but they're both they're racially charged movies, I've heard. I don't know if they're racially charged, but they deal with race and racism, and they are good. I mean, they're good. They're well done movies. Dealing with race, and, and specifically race, not like just economic oppression. No, But race. specifically because of the color of someone's skin. Mm-hmm. And that they're specifically American-based. They're American-based, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're just terrible, aren't we? It's hard. I don't know. Do you do you feel the massive white guilt? I mean, we're both white ladies. In no, the I don't house feel guilty. There. You don't feel guilty. You don't feel the white guilt come upon you and say like, uh. No, I don't feel. I don't. I don't. Feel, I don't feel guilty. But I take. You know, I don't feel guilty. But I'm very active. You know, I have my podcasts on race. My podcast is everyday conversations on race for everyday people, and um, where we bring race to the people. Yeah. So I have have people from different cultures and races to have comfortable conversations about race to bring the conversation about race to the people, and. Uh, I, I mean, a lot of people use guilt as a way of not doing something. Like, uh, oh, I feel so bad. Oh, I'm a poor, I'm a guilty white person. I was like, yeah, get off yeah. your ass and do something then. Then you won't feel guilty. Sure. Start taking some action. Yeah, I, I don't feel guilty because I'm, a, I'm, I'm, I'm so economically challenged that I feel that I can now sort of understand and have empathy for people that have been subjugated monetarily for so long because of the color of their skin. I feel like I'm in that place now where like, oh, I kind of, I can get, I can kind of understand, I can kind of see where you're coming from. But empathy is, empathy is good to have and understanding that different people's situations are different. You know, like if I'm, if you're walking down the street um, and you're on a bunch of racists and you're white, chances are nobody's going to bother you unless you was a person of color. But if you're a person of color, 
you have a good chance that somebody's going to call the police on you. I don't know for drinking soda or sneezing or whatever. We, really, so that, but that kind of stuff really, really happens. You feel like there, oh, yeah. there it's still. How long you been gone, girl? Uh, well, the the racism is different in uh, in Italy. They just hate all tourists. It doesn't, doesn't matter what color you are. As long as you have enough money, then they're then then you're okay to be there. If you're if you're visiting their country and you don't live there, and you, you they don't they didn't well, they weren't real nice. In, here, in I mean, here you have a good chance of of if. if if you're black and you're walking down the street, I'm not everybody, of course, obviously, but oftentimes if somebody calls the cops on somebody who they, you know, they call the cops on some woman who was a politician, she was knocking on doors and somebody called the uh, cops on her because they didn't believe that she was a politician campaigning. Somebody Because called, she was a person of color? Yeah, somebody called the, yeah, I mean, it, it happens so Not frequently. in San Francisco though, right? You know, it happens in San Francisco, of course. Really? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Am I? How? I've been living here for 11 years now, and I still, I guess I'm pretty blind. I don't see, I'm so colorblind that I just don't see anything, maybe. I, I don't know. Well, I don't, the well, only if you're people. colorblind, though, then do you just see blood and guts? Well, no, all I see is, I see, I see the economic oppression. So the people I see getting hassled by cops are always questionably housed people. Uh, people that we, everyone else calls them homeless, but I think that's stigmatizing, so I like to call them questionably housed. Because we don't know, they do live somewhere. They might not, you know, but okay. So I, anytime I've seen that cops hassling anybody, it's been either super drunk people that are just kind of need to be hassled or people that are, that just don't have the economic resources to be able to sit anywhere. And so they're happened to be sleeping at a bus stop because maybe they took some heroin, but then maybe we should have some safe injection sites so that they'd have a safe place to go if they're going to, if they have a drug issue. Well, I mean, that that's, that, that's another issue too. But the reality is, I mean, often I can't tell you how many black people I know, especially black men that I know who've been stopped by the police in the Bay Area for driving their car, walking down the street, and being harassed. Yeah, being harassed for no reason. For no, uh, that they're black and, the, and, and, and they're somebody wearing a hoodie. Feels that somebody, or not wearing a hoodie. They could be wearing a suit. And somebody feels that, you know, they, they shouldn't be in this neighborhood. I mean, even like in, in Oakland now, you have a lot of neighbors that were, there were a lot of black people in the neighborhood. And, um, and a lot of white people have moved in. Not, I'm not, this is yeah, not so it's the disparage white people. Right, right. But they've been like, instead of getting to know the people on the block, they will call the police. I mean, I know I, I had a couple of black friends. They said they are not going to, they have been runners for years. They will not run at night in their neighborhood anymore because wow. they've had the police called on them. Wow. That's the reality. That's so the irony of that because years ago when I, um, when I was 26, I had a very a small meth problem, and I had driven with my friend from, this is like in 98, we drove from Davis to Oakland to buy some methamphetamines, and when we were driving, driving through Oakland, all the, all the stoplights flashed uh, red so that you didn't actually have to stop because it was so sketchy in West Oakland where we were buying our drugs. <laughs> These one young white girls coming from Davis driving to Oakland to buy drugs. But uh, they it was so scary that you couldn't, if you were white, you couldn't stop. And now if you're black, you can't run in your own neighborhood. Yeah, well, That's interesting. I, I, you know what? I mean, everything depends. I mean, West Oakland also has a history of a lot of black entrepreneurship, mm. black clubs. Yeah. I have friends who've owned soul food restaurants in West Oakland. It just depends. Was it AC or BC? AC is after crack, BC is before crack. And if it was AC um, after crack, then it didn't matter what color you were mm. because you were, you know, because people on crack Crack's a violent drug. Yeah, meth yeah. is a violent drug too. Yeah, I had done <laughs> meth. I was a heroin addict. So I, I you know, I I wow. get, you know, I get the drift. Yeah, 
I was and in and out of meth real quickly. And when you're in meth, sometimes you're very paranoid. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the cops, it's like, no cops, no cars. That was my thing. It's like I just, yeah, driving. Uh, I, I mean, I did meth when I was like 16, so I don't really remember it that well. Oh, there you go. Wow. Early. Yeah. I, I uh, waited. From the Bronx. Oh, I mean, we wow. Were, you know, I was an ad, I was an, I mean, I was an addict. When you were a kid? Uh, up until I was, I, I'm, I'm clean and sober now, 34 years. Good for you. I just quit cigarettes and it's been six oh. weeks. Yeah, I used to smoke too. That was rough. That's, people rough. have said that that's, I mean, it was it was rough. It's nothing, I'm sure, like going through heroin withdrawal. Mm, but it was, it's, it's pretty rough. It's been pretty, it's been pretty rough. And when I was out of, out of the States, I couldn't smoke weed for three weeks. Uh, I mean, it, it was, at the end of it, it was just like, I want to smoke weed so much. And so, the, I mean, the first thing we did when we got back, got on that, got off that airplane, got on that BART train, got home, smoked a fat bowl. I was like, yes. Yeah, I was never. I no, love I weed. Mean, I weed, love I mean, weed. I was a heroin addict, so I mean, I, you know, I don't smoke weed. I, I was never really into it that much. It made huh. me paranoid. I mean, it just wasn't my thing. Right. But I do use CBD cream. Oh, right. CBD cream is a. It's, a, it's an amazing. The cannabis industry is an amazing industry. Absolutely. They're doing so much. They're doing so much stuff for cancer. Oh yeah. For pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use it for bursitis. Yeah, uh, it's amazing cream. stuff. It is effing amazing. You should try the CBN. The CBN is amazing. It's a new. It's not a new cannabinoid. I'm, all the cannabinoids have been in the plant. It's not like they it's new to us. Now. Yeah, they're learning a lot. I mean, they're they're really they're really learning a lot now about it. Um, just I mean, just stuff like uh, jaw pain, oh, things yeah. like that. Oh, yeah. All of it. I mean, it's really amazing. And they have like specific. Uh, they have specic. Um, Ratio for people who have anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. I give it to my dog. He has epilepsy. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I don't, but I, I mean, I don't smoke it. But I don't care what other, I don't care if people smoke it. So um, but but I know for me, I'm I'm very glad that it's legal. And I think it's a very interesting. I, I think it's a very inter- interesting industry right now. I, and I have the the lip gloss right here. This is a lemongrass. I got some. Somebody gave me some too. lip lip gloss from uh, Green Army. Shout out to them. This healed us so many times. On we had um, because we were wearing flip flops and we haven't forever because we live in San Francisco. But the flip, I got all these blisters and I was putting the um, the weed, the Green Army stuff on it, and the blisters would go away. And like Jonathan had bug bites and he was putting it on his bug bites, and they were and I was just like, I put see. some on my flea bites. I had yeah. a dog and and it went away. Stop the itching. It's, it's magic. But CBN is the new one. What's well, not new? Like I said, but it's it's when THC denatures, it turns into CBN, so it makes you sleep like. Out. It, it. They think they're doing tests now. They think it turns cancer off. Like when you in, get it directly near the cells, it because it's it's the cannabinoid that tells the plant like, all right, plant, time to die, time to turn off. And so somehow in our own endocannabinoid system, it makes like skin cancer just like turn off, go away. And it's and when you take you smoke a little bit of it or you take it as a tincture, and like boom, I mean asleep and like. 20 minutes it's nuts and oh i know people who went off i mean i don't have any problems sleeping but um i but i do know people who had problems with sleeping they were on prescription medication yeah they started taking some kind of, i don't know they go to the the dispensary these people at the dispensary the bud masters they know what to tell you to get and they got i don't know some kind of gummy or something mm-hmm, like that mm-hmm. and they said they sleep amazing and they don't feel drugged when they wake up yep. i mean for me any ingesting anything to do with like thc at all, you know i just it just makes me very i am it makes me sick i'm i guess i'm allergic to it i don't yeah, know yeah you could I'm, be you know i'm not interested in it. but but for people it works 
I full supporter. Yes, it's so much better than anything else they could do it especially like for seizures yeah the seizures you know? and when people have chronic pain if they have yeah they get amazing. they get opioid addiction and then they can't poop ever i think the worst thing about opioid addiction is that you can never take a poo like it stops up when they do it medically it's like so now they have this new drug they've been putting on the market and i've seen the ads for it and it's like have opiate induced oh yeah poop pain or whatever it's like yeah. take this new drug you have to take this drug now you have to take this drug and they're like yeah now they're on two drugs forever Woohoo! and so they're really happy because the money follow the money but we but, won't legalize marijuana but we won't legalize marijuana when you could poop on it like if you you could take something every day for chronic pain and it doesn't create other chronic pains and and you don't have to worry about cessation as much with marijuana you can you can take it when you need it and it happens right away and if it does you know you can take a little more or it, but once it's out of your system it's gone it's also that way for um antidepressant use when you, if you have anxiety issues and you take CBD or you take THC or however it works, it happens right away. Rather than if you are taking an SORI uptake inhibitor, you have to wait for two weeks for it to have efficacy in your body. So it's like, I have to wait two weeks to not be depressed anymore. And then when do I get off it? So then you have to wean yourself off of this stuff as opposed to taking it and it works and then it stops and then you take more and then it stops. I mean, it just seems like a no brainer, but then we, then it, what do you, why do you think the pharmaceutical industries have not gotten on board? Well, I also think it's interesting too, that they have the ratios down to a science Mm -hmm. for, this is for pain. This is for something else. Um, you know, I mean, they know that there are. There's a science behind it all. Right. There's a percentage they can figure out the amounts of cannabinoids in each either bud or no. tincture, and they have that. And then you can find out as a as a user, as a user might be the wrong word. As a patient, I don't I don't well, know user, what would you be. You use it if you're using, using it. If you're a user. user. I use CBD. Right. CBD so oil. and it depends how many you know how many milligrams so you might in some some person can ingest 10 milligrams and they're like I'm not feeling a lot. Some people, if they ingest 50 milligrams, they're like seeing flying elephants and things are going nutty. So, I mean, it's different for for every endocannabinoids, but only you know how it works in your body. And it, I, I kind of love the trial and error. I'm like, give me but, that new weed. I smoke it. <laughs> but, but also for people like me, for pain, yeah. you don't have to ingest. You don't have to smoke. It's, a to, it's topical. Topical, yeah. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it's pretty amazing how it gets rid of pain. Yeah. It, well, it's a um, anti-inflammatory CBD. Yeah. Also, THCA is a good one to try if you can get that in a cream. That's a really good anti. It's the before it. It's the pre-budding part of the plant. It's the THCA. It's the acids of the plant before the flower, and that is like really, really good for you. And uh, I mean, I've taken it where I thought I was getting a cold and I took a bunch of THCA and just your body just goes and you're like, fine, it's crazy. And it's really good for topical use because it just, it, it's it's great stuff and well, anti-inflammatory. And what I always found so interesting was how some of the government agencies would say, it's all anecdotal. Oh, uh-huh. You know, it's all anecdotal. No, so you would rather have somebody be addicted to an opioid mm. when they could use CBD or some derivative of CBD, get out of pain and not be addicted. Right. 
but but you think that it's all anecdotal. Sure. And, and the, they know it's not. I mean, they know the it's kids not anecdotal. that have had they have like a hundred seizures a day. Like they can't even right. talk. And now then they give them the CBD, and now you see them like playing like a child and talking. And it's like they used to be in a constant seizure. Yeah. And it's and it's like sure sure it's anecdotal sure it is. I mean, you know, when that many people mm-hmm. use it, it's much more. It's not. It's not. It's much more than anecdotal. I know it works for my. My dog has seizures. It's very good for my dog for seizures. Yeah. But I know for kids, you know, for a while. Now I just read about one school that where they will allow a child to come in using it. Now, so what you're saying then is you would rather have that child either not come to school mm. or have that kid drugged up on anti-seizure drugs that don't work. Yeah, phenobarbital. Yeah, rather <laughs> rather, rather than let that kid be able to function, yeah. be present. Learn. It's outrageous. It's I insane. mean, it's, it's outrageous. It really well, is outrageous. And phenobarbital is one of the common things they've used for epilepsy and for other seizure disorders. And it's just such a depressant on your system. It's, it's like a barbiturate and uh and it's part of the uh tupam family which is like the lorazepam but it it makes your body so relaxed that it doesn't seize but that's crazy because it it basically puts you to sleep it's it's like they used to give it to me for migraines before they made better migraine yeah, medicine i remember those days i remember those they're days like oh migraine. you have a migraine just take yeah. this phenobarbital and that's i just right. be I like yeah. And I'd be out for 10 hours. And that's great because I don't experience the headache, which is amazing because I'd be like just vomiting and just I couldn't see. It was really horrific and difficult. But so what was the answer? Like be like in horrific, difficult pain and an inability to live or be asleep. Well, I'm going to choose being asleep. But if there's an in-between, why wouldn't you? Like what's the... What do they gain from that? What are the? It's funny when we look at the laws and the rules of how we decide. Why aren't we gonna let kids come? I mean, we let them come hopped up on goofballs. Like, I mean, Ridlin is basically baby speed. It's like it's like speed made for children. Same with Adderall. If adults who don't have ADHD take Adderall, it makes them hyper, like methamphetamine. That's why people abuse it now recreationally. Adderall and. Um, Ridlin. But people who do have ADD, for many people, it works. Yeah, it just, it's it's just like, um, so it, it slows you down. It's yeah. the same thing if you, if you have like severe ADD or severe ADHD and you take cocaine, you can fall asleep because it just works like the opposite way because of your brain chemistry. And I don't understand, is that an evolutionary thing that our bodies have? Now, if our bodies evolutionarily created ADHD and ADD, what how is that a benefit was it and why would we want to then curb that if if nature said this is a part of your evolution and we're suddenly going to create this in your population there must be a benefit for that and why would we suppress it i don't know that's more of a philosophical conflict yeah i mean it is it is a question and it's the way that we get things done i mean sometimes if somebody has add they can be very creative but it's hard to be creative when you have to fit into a certain structure mm. on the other hand if you have people who are like in prison who have ADD who've committed crimes because they they have they have no impulse control then it actually it's very good for them for impulse control although I'm sure there's other things but in the immediacy it works wow do you think there was ADD 200 years ago 
I know there was ADD 50 years ago. I don't know about 200 years ago, but I, I, I think that I don't know whether it's on the rise or are we just more aware of it or sometimes people do get misdiagnosed. I don't know. You know, I think that's, that's a really good question. And maybe 200 years ago, the way people worked, it was maybe easier and people more in community. Mm. So maybe it was easier to to have your mind work a little bit differently. You know, when you have when you're in community, it's easier to get a, it's easier to be it's easy to be yourself when you're in the right kind of community, but um, when you're not in community and you start feeling like you have to adjust to everybody else. So if you have ADD and everybody is like 8 to 9, we do this, 9 to 10, we do this, 10 to 11, and maybe your brain's not working exactly like that, but you think, okay, I got to fit my brain in that way. And then okay, well maybe I better take some medication. But maybe it's not the best way, which is why a lot of times people have ADD. You know, you hear about some of these people who have ADD who are like on the radio, right. they're actors, you know, they write, they script, because they don't have to have that kind of schedule and it can fit in. Sure. And they also know how to manage it, like you get your clothes ready the night before. I mean, there's certain things that you do. Right. And 200 years ago, if you acted out in class, they'd just beat you up, like the teacher. So it was a little different. It was like, and if it didn't work out, then they just said, go be a farmer. They're like, if you can't be in school, then go out in the field and, and, and glean wheat, my friend. Like, there was no... I, I also wonder the same thing. Like, is there depression in, like... I mean, choose choose any country other than the United States. Like, some people, if, if you're in a third world nation and you, and you don't have food, you don't have time to be depressed, you know? It's like, how can you be, like, depressed if you're looking if you're search if you don't have clean water like everyone's depressed because like yeah our life sucks but you're working so hard to survive that is there time to be like wow wow i'm feeling sad and unfulfilled with my choices in life you know do you feel like it's an american problem that maybe we've created because we don't are nothing's hard enough anymore i don't i don't think it is i i thought i thought about that i mean sometimes it can be um, but I think that in the United States, it's because we have, people are so much on their own. And when you're on your own, it's easy to be really alienated. When people feel part of a community of some kind, they're less likely to be depressed or they're able to like look out for each other. But I know I once asked my mother, I said, mom, because my, you know, my parents didn't have very much money. My mother was really poor when she was growing up. I said, ma, did you ever feel depressed? You know, cause we're like, Hey, you have no money. You can't do this. And she goes, who has time to be depressed? I have a family I got to take care of. I got to work every day, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. On the other hand, though, it was important, though, because my father was in World War II. My father was a machine gunner. My wow. father was a D-Day. He was wow. an answer. He was like a lot of the major battles. And it impacted him. And he dealt with depression, but they never talked about it. And I think that that's a problem, too, when people come back from combat. Yeah. That... People call them whiners or whatever, mm. but that the way that they that there are things that they do for people now who do have post traumatic stress. Whereas, like with my father, that generation they didn't have that, but they did have communities, which was important. Yeah. But when people came back from Vietnam, they didn't yeah, have that, which right, is why you had so many people from Vietnam who went to Vietnam ended up in prison or homeless. Sure. Well, because they, I mean, they a machine have, gunner was literally killing people. Yeah. So if you were behind a large gun that put out lots and lots of bullets all at once, there were definitely people dying and dealing with that concept because that's 
I mean, it's, but no matter how you're, there's, it's sort of an anti-human comp thing, but you're told it, when you're in the military, you do this, this is what you do. And, and w- if you don't have the, if there is no way to like, uh, how do you, how do you balance those two different worlds when you're the same person in the same life, but you're two different people. It's like, you have to divorce the person you are to become a soldier. And then going back to being a regular person, you were a soldier, but you can't do that now. And what does that mean? And how do you look at your child and blah, blah, blah. Like there's all kinds of, you know, huge life concepts, life and death concepts happening. And if, if, if our government, I mean, our military didn't help people reacclimate, I don't know. I just have a huge problem with war. And, and I agree with you on the whole Vietnam front is there was not, when they came back, we, we shunned them as a, as a people and we were like, Dear, and because there was so much protest that the protesters did it wrong. Like when the guys came back, they're like, you're fun, you're baby killer. It's like, they just, they didn't have, so they many were drafted. People, they, they were drafted. drafted. And so many people don't have a choice because of where they come from. Economically, being in the military is kind of their only choice, really. Um, a lot of kids in, that grew up super poor in mid-America. And I mean, that's what I'm saying now with the military. I don't know about then it was the draft. and But even before World War II, it was like, if you don't volunteer, then you're not really American. And everyone's like, I'm volunteering. Help the war effort. And World War II is great because the Nazis are bad. But now when we fight, like, what are we really fighting? Uh, the wars that we've been in are all economic. I mean, you know, people are losing their lives. It's not for freedom. It's not to help. Nobody's attacking the United States. No other country goes around bombing other countries. Right. To for freedom, so-called. So, I mean, that's why after Vietnam, I mean, after a while you found a lot of the anti-war people then embracing a lot of the... um, People who had been in Vietnam. Oh, I didn't know about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, after and after Vietnam, there was a whole lot of Vietnam veterans against the war. Hmm. And even now, you see a lot of veterans against the war. People coming back from Afghanistan and and, and, and Iraq who are against the war. There's a lot. There's a lot of, um, and and that's I think also what helped turn the whole Vietnam War around was too because you had people from Vietnam coming back, people who were disillusioned, people who were joining. Uh, anti-war movements, people who were forming their own veterans against the war movement. Wow. And then a couple of years ago, they had the whole winter soldier thing where they had people who'd been in these wars going around talking about what they had done. It was kind of like a reconciliation um, and how they were really against war to educate people. Because, you know, there's all these people who, who've never fought who go, yeah, let's go over and kill them. That, which, because, yeah. you know, they, they're, it's easy to it's easy Because of the video games. People. Yeah. Well, it's easy to dehumanize people. When I yeah, I've done some research on um, Vietnam, and I recently read Robert McNamara's book, the big thing on uh, when he was admitted all the mistakes that had happened, and then in 1965 there was a memo that said we can't win, and we still, and then we escalated it from there. And yeah. The, and the thing about every there were more people were killed once more. we once we pulled out finally from Vietnam, then we just gave them all this money and stuff, and they were like to the South Vietnamese Army because they were like, did we back the right 
group like they didn't even know once they were out like which if they backed the right people but they were saying they we gave them so many jeeps that they were, they had more jeeps than soldiers they had more it was like a jeep for every south vietnamese soldier they didn't even need know what to do with the stuff we gave them but that only helped our military industrial complex because we built all those things and somehow all the money and the jobs were created and and that's what's happening now i think is that a bomb costs a million dollars and then we fly it somewhere and blow something up and then we get the contract to rebuild the building so it's like i've always wondered when we go into these other countries and we say we're bringing peace why would we bomb things to build new things why not just take the things they have and make them better like if you have a big building why not go in there that already has bathrooms why destroy it why not go in there and turn it into housing or turn it into a school or somehow make it better or why do we have to like burn and destroy to create yeah why do they have to dehumanize people and just kill people and people look at all the people who who come back from war who are domestic abusers oh yeah and know? become alcoholics and become drug alcoholics addicts and drug addicts and get yes. duis lots of yeah. duis from i mean all the brains that go into defense and, and killing what if you use those brains to be able to figure out how to bring people together how to bring peace um how to you know like like if you look at immigration yeah. here's this administration is wanting to spend billions of dollars on a wall to keep people out. Well, if you want to keep people out, maybe you could help the countries that they're coming from yeah. so people don't want to leave. Exactly. Maybe you want to give so money to eradicate some of the gangs that are, going, that, that are in El Salvador and some of these countries or, or, or get people jobs so that they don't want to leave. Right. So yeah. who's benefiting from that? I mean, it's just hideous. It's just dis- the, disgusting the, the, the way they dehumanize. It's just, you know, and the way that they call immigrants vermin i mean it's just like they did in nazi germany towards the jews and the and the crazy thing is that we're all immigrants my i mean but it's like what year is it okay to immigrate to the united states yeah so my people came over in like between the 1880s and 1910 so we're okay so that's okay because you know we were and they're white russian jew and and we were white Russian jews and but the irish when i was one half some of my family is from ireland and and they were dirty vermin at one point too and but now i mean what year? What year was it okay to come here? Was it okay? You know, we took the. Was it? Was it was the cutoff after Vietnam? Like after we decimated their country and we took a million Vietnamese, and then we go, okay, okay, wait, uh, uh, okay, that's it. <laughs> so 1978 is the last year that Vietnamese people. Okay, any that come after that, okay, they're not real Americans. What if you if you legally come here? Like when? When are you allowed to? What year was it? Was so it was okay for Donald Trump's German father to come over? Yeah, from that and was his wife. fine. His and wife. his wife, it's fine because, she, you know, what she's from what, Slovenia or Slovakia. Do you know which one? Slovenia or Slovakia? I'm such a jerk. I don't know. Both both countries border Hungary, and she's yeah. starving, so she's it's from fine. Estonia. She's, it's one of the she's Slovak, Slovenia, uh, whatever, whichever one. But still, it's another country. But I know, and there are now seven million Syrians uh, living in Turkey. I just met some Turkish people when I was in Greece and they were saying that, because I was like, I, what, there's like 4 million refugees now? And they're like, 4 million? <laughs> Try 7. They have like 7. So they said the racism in Turkey is nutballs right now. Like, things are about to explode because there are 7. And that even uh, in Italy, uh, I was in Naples and we were talking to some guys and they were saying, God, we're getting kind of racist against people from that are like... We're kind of getting racist against black people and Muslims now, too, because of the whole, like, a refugee thing. And we're like, we were kind of here first, and we don't want you to harpen in on our economy. So there's a lot of, like, we've 
and it's something I feel we as a country have forced this whole Syria issue. Like, and now we're not willing to deal with any of the aftermath of the people and their people. And I, I was looking at the stuff about the Syria, and it looks like camps. It looks like Burning Man, except no one's having fun. You know, like when you're looking. I'm sorry, that's a terrible joke. But the there are all these people living in tents, and these are people, and they had houses and they had jobs, and right. It's almost like what happened they were to the doctors, Japanese. They were lawyers. Yeah. They had all kinds of prof- um, professional jobs. And they have nothing, and they're being treated like they are subhuman. Yeah. And this, you know, when the United States bombed Iraq, you know, the United States went in and started bombing all these countries. There yeah. were no weapons of mass destruction, but anymore. they bombed Iraq, or they, they bombed Afghanistan. Yeah. I mean, there were people living in these countries who were human beings, yeah, yeah. who were not terrorists, but the United States, you know, and, and I, I read them. Oh, I can't remember the book. I think it was, was it Ron Susskind? I think his name was The Price of Loyalty. Mm. And it was about Paul O'Neill, who had been, I think, uh, Secretary of the Treasury. But they talked about the decision to bomb these countries and how the United States government, they had been wanting to go into Iraq because they wanted that oil. Mm. I mean, and this is somebody who'd been in the administration talking about mm. this. Mm. So it's not out of the goodness of they didn't go there to free anybody. Right. I, this is this is totally off topic, but sort of That's back okay, on. I'm used do, to that. do you think that Osama bin Laden's body was real, the one that we dumped in the ocean? Do you think that was really him? Probably. You think it was really him? Okay. Yeah, probably. I think he died before. I think but that was, was like a wax person. body. You know what I mean? He was just one person. And it wasn't Saddam Hussein. It was who was the other guy? Saddam Hussein, they, Osama they, bin Laden. Osama bin Laden. Laden. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was the bad guy we were after. Yeah. I think it was like a wax dummy, and I think they did it at sea because they didn't want anybody to know that it wasn't really him. I think I don't he know, died I'm not way conspira- earlier. I'm not really a conspiracy theorist. You're not. You're not. Okay. No. You don't think that you think you don't think that they were in on 9/11? No. 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 Okay. I think that they didn't stop 9/11, but okay. I think, you know, I think I think maybe you know maybe they thought something might happen. Maybe they thought, well, hey, you know, maybe this could be just like a. Um, I don't know, like a hijacking, and then they'd have an excuse. Mm. Um, I don't think they thought that Arabs were capable. I think it was also like they're underestimating people. They didn't think they were capable of doing something so well planned out, so they didn't take action. Mm. Yeah, that's like the, the the bombings in the in London and in the undergrounds. And uh, that, that stuff's so scary to me, because I'm, I'm already afraid of riding bikes. I, I don't know why this is... We, I feel like now we have so much domestic terrorism. I don't think that our fighting our the war on terrorism. We got the white supremacist terrorism. That's worse. Uh, there's then that's us. on. That's but I mean all the things, all school shootings. I denial. consider I consider school shootings domestic terrorism. It is domestic terrorism. It's, it's crazy stuff. It, even like um, the two girls that got their throats slit on the MacArthur Bart station. Yeah. That's some serious domestic terrorism. It is domestic terrorism. That's scary shit. And and and, and, and a lot of it's, and a lot of times it's like these. People who are mentally ill. It's racist, racial, racially charged. A lot of it's racially charged. Yeah. It's racially charged. And there's also people who are mentally ill that tried to get help and they couldn't get help. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then and then there's a large white supremacist. And that seems to be terrorism. growing. Has it, it always been? Has it been here or you think it's growing? Well, it's becoming more normed. It's becoming because, because of our of, president. Yeah. Because he. So, because the people in Charlottesville, fine people, the Nazis are fine people. Yeah, 
Uh, or uh, or okay. Jeff Sessions like, uh, I thought the Nazis were okay until, or the KKK was okay until I heard they smoked marijuana, and now I think they're bad. I don't yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I thought they're fine, upstanding individuals until but they, they smoke marijuana. That, you know, there's so much, and and so it's becoming norm. It's okay now. At, you know, at one point, like, I and mean, people were racist, but they weren't spewing. The poison into the atmosphere, right. and now it's okay. Normalizing it's okay. that, it's very yeah. normal. It's, it's it's okay. It's normalized, and you almost have to get into to convince people that racism is bad. Right? Yeah. It's it, things are getting crazy, and because some people are like, well, I like black people. That's I mean, every, it seems like everything seems racist now. But we we're racist against immigrants now. We're uh, obviously, you can see the violence inherent in the system against all people of color. Yeah. But I and I think it's reaching it now. The normalization of hate speech towards women. This whole oh. what we're going to. I mean, I've been nervous about every Supreme oh. Court nominee. Yeah. And I have a lot of jokes about uh, them repealing Roe v. Wade and and what would happen if women all of a sudden don't have control of their bodies again. It's it's all seems like this. Uh, like a neo power grab of, it's really scary it to think that our, you know, human rights could be repealed in such a drastic way. But it's already happening. If you look at what we're doing to immigrants now, now they're saying that they've been sending ICE agents to like graduations and like high school graduations, and so people are afraid to go anywhere. Now the new thing Trump's trying to do is take away. Um, government assistance right. food, food stamps right. for people who are and, and health insurance and health insurance but now here's the crazy thing is that a lot of the kids are actually US citizens because they were born here but maybe their parents weren't but they want and, to send the kids back too the kids don't, don't even have any relationship to the country but they're trying to get rid of them too I mean, it's it's outrageous but they're born here which means they're American citizens so the crazy thing is is that children don't have access to food stamps but if their parents are the ones that have access to food stamps now we are saying oh nope you can't have access to Medicaid or food stamps because you're an immigrant except the child who's oh an American God, citizen. Right. So we're just like, yeah, fuck those kids. Which is crazy to me that yeah. we're not caring about our own American citizens, their children that were born here. They are. That's they right. have a right to be here. They are That's American right. citizens. That's we right. made up that rule. That's one we made up. That's and it's right. like, but but it's only okay for like people who... Blah, blah, blah. I, seriously, people who've been here for 30 years are getting sent back to Honduras? Like, wh- what? People who own houses, who've lived here, who've married, who've had children. And, and contributed to the community absolutely. and paid taxes. Right. And there are communities that are saying, no, don't take these people, but they're taking it anyway. And take, going to high school graduations, they're going to hospitals. How could people be that cruel and inhuman? Yeah. Yeah. You know, people say, we should get back to civility. It's not an issue of, of being civil. It's an issue of cruelty and meanness and mean-spiritedness and dehumanize. Because right. you, you can only do that to people when you don't see them as human. Wait, right, and exactly. the glee that they show. Ha, 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 ha. It's, it's crazy. Effing believable to yeah. me. Well, it's it's the same way how we don't think people in other countries are human. Like, yeah. we don't think Chinese people are human, or like Bangladeshi people that make our jeans and they only make like you know a dollar ten a week or something insane. And we're like, whatever. And the companies that are you know using that labor and saying, well, we brought it to we brought it to Indonesia, we brought it to into China, we brought it to China because and there there are people that work in iPhone factories in China that jump off the top committing suicide because they're working and working and working and not seeing 
their life improve in any way. It's just, it's modern slavery. But the only way we can do that is if we don't see them as people. Which, but as Americans, we've been trained to do that. I mean, I can't imagine slavery existed, what, 250 years ago. That That's sort of crazy to me that you could literally own a person and they had no rights. Like... It's like there's a mindset of it's either them or us and we're more important. I mean, it is. It's a thing of only the United States are human and only white people in the United States are human. It just, I mean, yeah. And and, uh, and, but, and then they privilege. start eliminating. So women aren't human. Right, gay right. people aren't human. Right. Yeah. Um, what about hourly employees? Are they human? Yeah. I mean, who's human? Yeah. Only salaried landowners or salaried homeowners. Uh, Even if you're a homeowner, you aren't necessarily a landowner. Like, you could own a home in a condo building, but you don't, you're not necessarily a landowner. Well, if you're a landowner, if, 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 there's, if you have something that that some of the people want they will take it away i mean it's out to me i see and i am not a person that throws around words like fascism i don't throw around words like totalitarianism but i'm seeing that pattern right now mm. and i'm seeing it looks like they kind of took a play they used a play a hitler playbook and oh, i'm not yeah, comparing yeah, sure. it i'm not comparing it to concentration camps i'm not comparing it to that right. but i'm ca- comparing it to when a, what happens when a small group takes over a country hmm. um, where they have their brown shirts, the, the loyal followers, mm-hmm. um, the way that they talk about the the, the uh, press. Yeah. All of that. Propaganda. And I talk to my friends Fake from Germany. News. Yeah. yeah, and I talk to my friends from Germany, and they say, better watch it. Mm-hmm. They say, we're seeing the comparisons. You know, and when they're telling me that, absolutely, and and I feel the same way about Germans. A lot of people go, "Oh, Germans!" Okay, so not all Germans were Nazis. There's like three percent were Nazis, and there was a whole. They were all Germans, and this happened sort of like underneath them. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, they were like they weren't even going well, along. It was like they were going along with it. But I feel like there's a comparison between the German people then and Americans now that we we like kind of see it happening, but we're like, well, what can I do? Like, Germans were I complicit. Know. Most of the Germans were complicit. Which and is we're complicit the danger, right now. Right, which is the danger in the United States. Yeah, we're complicit. We're like, oh, what's you happening? Not, yeah. He's so mad. Yeah, he's doing nice some terrible people. thing. He's doing terrible stuff. But yeah. you know, it's a bad But he's lowering the taxes. Yeah, and it's not it. me. You, yeah. you know, and, and the, the, ta- the gas is still affordable like yeah. that and everything I mean and I still have my nice house and then yeah. I was able this Christmas is gonna be great because we're getting another tax bonus just kind of going along with it and then we're sitting here going like wait look at the violence and here in the system help help I'm being oppressed and and trying to fight for other looking at the incarceration is crazy the, the opiate you know in 2016 58,000 people died from opiate overdose that's that's the entire that's the entire giant stadium filled with people. Fill the entire giant stadium, all three tiers, from the bottom to the top, all the way up. Every seat is full. And that's how many people died. And that was just 2016. And the numbers have been going up and up. And that's nuts to me that we're not like declaring a huge state of emergency, a it's health nuts. crisis, it's a nuts. crisis. That is so many lives. And are we now saying, well, if you're addicted to opiates, you're not a person. You're not a person yeah. either. So it's like, it's the calling away of like, oh, you're, okay, we don't care about you anymore. Okay, we don't care about you anymore. You aren't. It's true. But 
if you're a good opiate user and you still go to work and you take your drugs and now you take the drugs you can poop too but you're not in pain and you're just a little bit numb and you still pass around whatever memos you do like I don't know what a lot of people do in corporate America or you're selling that insurance you're getting on that phone and you're making those deals like you're still a good American I guess I don't know numb us out till we swipe left and swipe right Wow, what you just said, you know, really comes to mind when I hear the expression, people being stripped of their humanity. And the way you articulated it just now really exemplifies that's what we're talking about. You know, thank you for that. That's, and and I, really like the, I really like the way you laid that out because that's exactly what it is. Well, go America. Uh, so your show that you're interested in doing, it's about you, you bring people in of disparate cultures yeah. and you, what you ask them questions about, like, what do they do with hummus or no, no, <laughs> making no, no, a no, joke? No, 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 What it is is everyday conversations on race for everyday people. And what we do is we bring in people from different cultures and backgrounds and ages, oh, cool. people with ability, disability, all of that, all differences across differences. And we have conversations related to race, but we talk about the intersections of all the different identities. And we, and people share stories, they huh. share stories, they talk about social issues. And if they're halfway hip, we'll talk about pop culture, because I'm really into pop culture ah. and music. Um, and we have people from all different ages. And the idea is, to, for me, it's about eliminating different, uh, eliminating fear of differences, mm. stopping hate, bigotry, and discrimination, and finding new connections and new commonalities. And it's about eliminating hate and spreading love across the world. Yeah. And the only way that could happen is for people to actually have conversations about each other. Because I want listeners to be able to hear me having those conversations. So it was a lot of times like, Particularly white people will say, well, I want to have the conversation. But not only white people, other people say, I want to have the conversations about race, but I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing. So they don't have any conversation. Or I'll have people of color say, well, I want to have the conversation, but I'm afraid of not being believed. I'm afraid of trivialized because that's been their experience. Um, So Um. I want to have a show where people really talk as peers, where people share their stories. Yeah. And find ways and, and find some things that they that they haven't come. Like my first show, I had these two guys who were good friends of mine. One was African-American, one was white. And they both been in the military. One had been in the Marines for 20 years. The other had been in the Army for 20 years. And they talked about their friendship, how they became really good friends. And then we talked about what's going on in the military. And, and it was, I, I think I called it... Uh, Race in the military, haven for racial harmony or haven for white supremacy. Wow. Because, you know, there have been some issues of white supremacists being found in the military. And they talked about how, uh, what happens how, when, when that does happen, how the military weeds them out. Then I had another show where I had a white Jewish woman and a Japanese-American Buddhist woman. Oh. And we talked about the intersection or collision sometimes of race and religion and how sometimes people will try to d- take a spiritual pa- a pass. Like if you have people who are from different cultures or different colors, they go, oh, we don't need to deal with that because we all have the same religion or oh. the same spirituality. But no, you have to deal with that. Um, and then I had, yesterday I had a guy, uh, his name is Hassan Z. He did a film called Hello Pakistan. He talked about being from Pakistan and, and what that was like in the United States. 
So I have all different kinds of people. I had um, a friend, my, my friend Legrand Green, who was African American, who became a senior producer for Oprah Winfrey. Whoa! And he got four Emmy awards. And he was from a, a, a poor family, poor neighborhood in North Carolina. And he talked about what it was like going all the way to the top, still having to deal with racism even at the top. When he was working with Oprah? Yes, because I mean, he, you know, he wasn't always with Oprah. Oh, was that, you know, okay, always, right. It was just, just him and Oprah with all these other people. And also his internalized racism and homophobia too that when he got to the top there was a part of him they felt like oh I don't deserve this I shouldn't be here so he lost it all and then he later on he found himself and he's really comfortable with who he is now and he's moving higher and higher and higher to the top so it's all different conversations it is it's all different conversations we had one on Asians and the race conversation because people think a lot of times like people lump Asians is all the same. We talk about all the differences and different right. Asian cultures. Yeah. Sure. There's nothing worse than calling someone who's Chinese being like, are you Japanese? Or, yeah. I, I mean, and, and, and they're all different. It's like, every, well, yeah. of course, you must be Korean. And it's like, And then there's no, economic differences. Yeah. yeah. And um, we're going to be talking about things like food, cultural appropriation, hair, music. Yeah. How, in fact, I just read this research. I thought this was really interesting. That when they took the same words from... Uh, they told they told it was to, to white people they said that it was a hip hop song. Yeah. And they found the words very violent. They took the same words and said it was from a country and western song, you know, like last night I killed my baby, blah blah blah. Sure, blah. sure. And people thought it was just not serious, it was a narrative. And it was interesting that when they thought it was a hip hop song, it was violent, it was aggressive, they hated it. When they thought it was a country and western song, oh, it's okay. Wow. So just about that different mindset. And it's funny, it's serious, but it's always insightful because people really, I get people to really talk about their experiences. Like I'll say to people, why is race important to you, no matter who they are? When was your first experience with somebody who was different? And uh, and then we'll talk about a social issue, whatever that, whatever that issue is. You know, maybe it's, I don't know, white people calling the police on black people for sneezing. <laughs> but, or different, different kinds of different, we've had one on immigration, um, Immigration is such a crazy issue. I've talked about it with some kids, actually, and 7th and 8th graders, and they are, I mean, it's something they're dealing with all the time now. And they, especially in this neighborhood, their uncles oh, yeah. and aunts and some of their parents, and they know, almost all of them know someone who's been sent sent back, who's been deported by this at this point. And and they all, it, it's, it's hard it's, for a child to have to grapple with these di- these implied differences that we that we're putting upon people it's it's really yeah i mean bizarre. now like i'm glad we're you know like my my synagogue and i know that there's churches too that are like sanctuaries like my synagogue's a sanctuary synagogue which means that we'll take people and we'll protect them if they're immigrants cool and i know there's a lot of churches that are doing that too They'll, they protect them so are you having I mean, like bunk beds or something what are you doing I, I Say like the police can't come in here. Sorry, ICE. Yeah, I'm, yeah, and they they protect them. They protect them from the police, and they, I mean, there's a lot of things going on, which is really important. I think it's important for people to know that there's also a lot of goodness. Yeah. And that my belief, people say, well, don't you ever get discouraged? And I said, no, because my belief is that there's more of us, there's more of people who are promoting love, than there are of people who are promoting hate. But that we have to stick together. And we have to speak out together, and we have to also show, we have to demonstrate that love. And we have to be willing to talk to people and convert people. Right. 
because we can't afford to lose people. I mean, sometimes somebody might say something inadvertently racist or sexist or whatever, but we could just we could educate. A lot of times we could educate those people because not not mm. many. Not, you know, I wasn't always the perfect person I am now, <laughs> but. Uh, and nobody is. I mean, it's all a learning experience, but we just have to be willing to learn from people. We have to be willing to see that people are different, that it's okay to be different, that yeah. it's interesting to be curious. I mean, like nobody's really colorblind. I mean, you know, nobody is colorblind. Everybody's going to see something. The idea, though, is do you put a value on it? Do you put a judgment on it? Because if, if, if you say, oh, I see everybody's the same, then you're kind of erasing what people are. And like I always say to people, well, if you don't see color, then how do you know what kind of sweat, color sweater to get somebody for their birthday? You won't know what to do with their skin. So people want to be seen as a whole person and not just right. one. Like, just think about you. You know, you don't want to just be seen as a woman, right? You have other identities. Right, right. I mean, look, you're a genius podcaster. <laughs> right, you run there's... the station. That's pretty amazing to me. <laughs> it's not. But I'm still a woman. No, I have I have a lot of feminist jokes like uh, when, a, when a man makes a decision, people do it. And when a woman makes a decision people form a committee that's how that usually goes i don't well, know if that's, that's a joke or not or if well, that's no, just a, real life well because that's usually how it works tendencies women tend to be more group oriented not all i mean because mm-hmm. i've done a lot of workshops on gender communication women tend to be more group oriented sure. women tend to be more consensus based men tend to be more hierarchical like if you're on a plane and the plane's going down do you want the pilot to say hey everybody what do you think we should do <laughs> no no you know but if you if, but if there's a marketing campaign and you want to be able to get out to as many people as possible you don't want just one person to make the decision that, see now that so makes you sense, need to be right. able to do you need to be able to do both yeah you know yeah. women tend to process things out loud. I tend to process my problems out loud. Yeah. Oftentimes, men don't process out loud and think that if you say stuff out loud that you don't know what the hell you're talking about. So I always uh. go, hey, I'm just saying this out loud. I got to hear myself say it. Right. I'm the same way. I have to sort of... I got to say it out loud. I got to hear myself. I got to hear myself say it before I think it's a thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I also like people to say like, yeah, I think that that's a, it's nice to have people agree with you when you make a decision. Yeah. It's hard if you make a decision and everyone goes, because then I'm like, am I just being stubborn or is this really, am I really making a bad choice? And then I have to sit there and weigh it like, yeah, me am too. I really, is this really what I think really should happen? And, and, or am I really just being stubborn? Oh, I just can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. Things it's, it's hard. I, yeah, I wish I mean, I wish we could take gender out of the equation. And now it's getting so interesting because we have, there's more than just the gender binary. And there's people that like to call themselves with the pronoun they. And I totally respect that. Like whatever pronoun you want to be known as, if you want to, if you're a she, if you're a he, if you want to be called a G because you want an XI and you don't believe, if you don't want to be a Latina or Latina, you're into Latinx. Great, I love the new X, but some people think putting the X on it sucks. I'm like, I don't know. But just for me, I just ask people, let me know how you want me to address you. I can address you by any name you choose, you know, whatever. I don't want to subjugate you in any way and I want to help you feel comfortable. But if I don't know, if you don't communicate it to me, then I'm constantly like, do I call? Because I have a friend who, uh, her name is George, but she, and she has, she's pre-op, but she's, I mean, it's, it gets very confusing, but I, she, she's George. And I'm like, great, cool. And then you'll be singing it as he's George. 
whatever. But she's no, but she, he, if he wanted me to call him a him, I, I but think it's up to them, right? right. He it's still a, has his dingle person. dangle, but he's has his boobs now. But and, yeah, but but there's a lot of people that that you know that that it's just their physicality doesn't necessarily define them. Like there are people who you know you have to let people know how people identify people, and if somebody identifies as as a he you call them he if they identify as they you that's what that's what you do you have to respect you have to respect people's gender identity sure and well i guess it didn't used to be that way <laughs> at all i mean it no, used to be illegal used to commit, people used to commit suicide and 50 years ago it was illegal to do to cross dress if you yeah. w- walked on the street they considered it, it was considered i mean it was a crime and the same thing, being gay was a fucking crime, which is insane to me that you could be arrested and put in jail for yeah. for your choice. You, which is nutty because, you know, two and a half thousand years ago in Greece, it, they were willy nilly. Well, whatever you decided to be was fine. They had no problem with gayness about had um, homosexuality at all. There was not even a thing not even a quite there's like you don't you don't have sex with men what is wrong with you weirdo so i mean look at how the times have changed well sima i'm excited this has been super fun this is some call me tim do you want to wrap up your beliefs and you're just a um super uh, you're about love and respect it sounds like yeah i just want to Thank you so much yeah. for having me on your show. I'm so excited. You know, I'm on, since I have a podcast, but it's always so exciting to be on somebody else's podcast. I mean, I was so honored that you said you would interview me. I'm so happy. Thank you so no, much. No, thank you for being here. I was, uh, when I had prepared for my vacation, I only prepared for the time I was gone. And I was like, oh, I'll be back. And then I came back and I'm like, I don't have a guest for some Call Me Tim. Oh, Simo wants to come in. We should just do this on air. I love this it. This will be great. I love it. So, well, thank you for being here, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Hoping that you'll choose Mutiny Radio as the as your podcast home, because uh, we're real welcome and opening and weird, and we put all kinds of things on the walls and the dead animals, everything from dead animals to uh, I don't even I didn't even know which rapper this was. You probably know who that's a picture of. Uh, I don't know. I can't see this. There's something blocking it, so I can't see. Yeah, this. Well, I, I'm not even sure it's one of the rapper guys. The only one I know is Drake because he was on. Um, he was the kid who was in the wheelchair on the the Degrassi Junior High. I keep up. You you keep, I keep up. up. With, I keep up. With you know who up, Drake yeah. is? Of course. Ask, of course. I love his new. I, I can't get his new song out of my head. In my feelings, it keeps on going around and around and around. I wow, love it. you're it's so a really hip. good song. You're so hip. I, I love, I'm obsessed with music. I mean, I love music. I listen, I stay up way too late on YouTube, listening to music, watching people perform. I'm, I mean, I listen to everything. I watch hip hop, rap, old school, R&B. Uh, I started watching Nashville, so I got into country and western. I like classical, I like opera. I mean, death metal. Like, I'm not so much into death metal. <laughs> I'm not into death metal. I, I don't really know death metal that well, but... Um, but you know, like my son got me into drum and bass, punk, and EMD. I'm not that much into punk. I don't really know that much about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, that you was know, more like know. your era, the '70s and eight. Like, come on. Yeah, but I wasn't listening. I, I, uh. I was listening. I was, but I was listening to R and B. I was listening to disco. I was listening wow. to rap. Wow. Okay. You know, rap came out. I, I listened, I've been listening to rap. Um, Curtis Blow, the Sugar Hill Gang. Wow. Bob DMC, I was listening to all. That's what I listened to. Because I, of New I, York. I, I, yeah, it's Sylvester. You know, I go see Sylvester. Wow. Cameo. Wow. Uh, 
I don't know, Kashif, all those, you know, that, that's that's what I listen to. That's so cool. That's, you know, hey, you, you're you on the other side of the spectrum for me, and I love it. Well, hey, everybody, I hope that you loved this. This was some Call Me Tim with Sima Lieberman today. Very special. Uh, hopefully, she'll be having her show here at Mutiny Radio. You'll hear more of that in the future. Uh, until then... Uh, I'm back Come to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse This Friday We've already got a couple comics booked We have uh, Zach Wiseman Brian Lucette Myself And Kaiser Lieb We'll be having more Comedians To come uh, Join us tomorrow At our uh, Open mic From 8 to 10 And also from Happy Hour Open mic On Friday From 6 to 8 This Saturday You can see me Headline at Bootleg Bar and Grill That's on South Van Ness at the very very end it's a pretty cool place it's a free comedy show good price drinks I'm gonna be funny I'll see if I can remember my fucking jokes I haven't told jokes in three weeks uh, <laughs> I also haven't interviewed a person in three weeks so I feel great I'm like I can still do it not all my skill and skills have gone fallow uh, into the wayside but thank you again for being here Sima and we'll see you guys next week on Some Call Me Tim on a raft without a patter. We'll gather around me sea dogs and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutinyradio.fm. From there you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> hey, Mutineers Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody.
Pirates magazine for free on iTunes. Unfortunately, the only weird part is because there's so many comedy shows at this station, we're actually under the free comedy section. My friends out at Mutiny Radio. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Moofy's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Fantastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off, for <laughs> it's in duty this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer cottage on the mountain ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> Flat, black, plastic, vinyl, records, round, played, mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scott Walk. Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast, and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor.
I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on MutinyRadio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Hey, comedy fans, don't miss Comedy Day Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park, noon till 5. It's free! You'll see 44 or more comedians. 44 comedians, 5 hours. That's over 8.5 comedians an hour. That's silly. Ever see a half a comedian? Yes, a half wit. Not funny, but Comedy Day will be a guaranteed laugh a minute. Let's see, a laugh a minute times 5 hours. That's 300 jokes. That's a lot of jokes, folks. <laughs> So why are these people laughing? I don't know. Maybe because they know Comedy Day will be better than the shoelaces of Madagascar exhibit. Better than the paperweight wearers of the world convention. Better even than the alien sheep herding contest. And speaking of herding, heard any good ones lately? Okay, not funny again, but Comedy Day will be. Don't miss punchlines like these. A frog in a blender. In your hat. To keep his pants up. Comedy Day is worth the price of a mission because it's free. Nothing to buy. No operators waiting for your call. Void. We're prohibited by law. Comedy Day. Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams. Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park. It's free. Visit ComedyDay.org for complete details. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event. Now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Oh. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying. It's the Joke Workshop Mondays, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Mutant Radius. Yahoo! <laughs> Four ninety nine. 
la fiesta, que esto está bueno, lo vamos a seguir cantando. El toro, el toro que dice. Pero que dale, dale, pero que dale, dale, dale más que aprendas, dale como es. Pero que dale, dale, pero que dale, dale, dale más que aprendas, dale como es. Pero que dale, dale, pero que dale, dale, dale más que aprendas, dale como es. Pero que dale, dale, 
año 3 Se bailó muy bien el son Era corto y a la vez Bien caliente y sabroso Pero oyelo Báilalo Cántalo Pero gózalo Camarones, ¿dónde están los mamoncillos? Mamoncillos, ¿dónde están los camarones?
of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> Hey, Mutineers, Stolowitz here. Have you ever listened to Labor and Love on Saturday mornings, 10 to noon, with Bill Morgan? It's a really excellent show, one of my favorites here at the station. And it's all about service. 
It might be the devil, it might be the Lord, but we got to serve somebody. And Bill understands the virtue of service as the heart and soul of the labor movement better than a lot of people I know. And it's one of the reasons I love to listen to him. He breaks down socialism, democracy, protest history, workers' news, and the power of unions. Along with that, he serves up an excellent mix of jazz, Latin, gospel, hip-hop, and traditional folk ballads. Great stuff. Check it out. Labor and Love is every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. Serve somebody. Chester Cashcock here, giving you my love and regards as well as Mufi's over there. And you know, anytime I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Bamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10. They have a fun time at Pamtastics Deep in the Mission, where you can laugh off your tushy every Friday for a mere $10. And $10, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with, so to wipe it off for... <laughs> it's in duty, this. And if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, don't worry, don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen Summer Cottage on the Mountain Ridge for the kayaks. <laughs> Just go to podcast.pcrcollective.org or mutinyradio.fm podcasts and look for Comedy Clubhouse with a K. You can download it for free. But we'd love to see you every Friday, 8 to 10, down here at Mutiny Radio. Laugh off your tushy and save your life. Because you know what's better than laughter? Well, it's a cash cock, baby. <laughs> Flat, black, plastic, vinyl, records, round, played, mixed. All for you every Saturday from noon to two by Scotto Walker. Amazing artist, music DJ, vinyl enthusiast. That is flat black plastic. My name is Breakfast. 
and I'm running for Chancellor of the United States of America. For too long, we have gone without a Chancellor who is willing to take bold leaps of faith and logic to create new possibilities for our great, big, fat nation. As your Chancellor, I will balance the budget on the head of a pin, give entertaining speeches, have scandalous affairs, write strongly worded letters to unpopular foreign leaders, look good on camera, end all hunger, crime, abuse, war, disease, disasters, sadness, depression, oppression, repression, suppression, transgression, obsession, expression, impression, regression, and digression by signing pieces of paper that express my disapproval of such things. And invest in an American flag pin to be worn prominently on my stylish jackets. It's time to work together to take the country back from us and return it to ourselves. It's time to turn this country around and drive it into opposing traffic. It's time to take a chance on the Chancellor. I'm Michael Spiegelman. And I am Carl, not Spiegelman. Join us every Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on mutinyradio.fm for... Let's watch a full-length movie on... YouTube. We watch the best movies that... uh, Aren't they good? Well, they're chosen by Uh, Here's his theme song again. Bye. Okay, bye. Watch Hey, comedy fans, don't miss Comedy Day Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams Meadow in Golden Gate Park, noon till 5. It's free! You'll see 44 or more comedians. 44 comedians, 5 hours. That's over 8.5 comedians an hour. That's silly. Ever see a half a comedian? Yes, a half wit. Not funny, but Comedy Day will be a guaranteed laugh a minute. Let's see, a laugh a minute times 5 hours. That's 300 jokes. That's a lot of jokes, folks. <laughs> Why are these people laughing? I don't know. Maybe because they know Comedy Day will be better than the shoelaces of Madagascar exhibit. Better than the paperweight wearers of the world convention. Better even than the alien sheep herding contest. And speaking of herding, heard any good ones lately? Okay, not funny again, but Comedy Day will be. Don't miss punchlines like these. A frog in a blender. In your hat. To keep his pants up. Comedy Day is worth the price of a mission because it's free. Nothing to buy. No operators waiting for your call. Void. We're prohibited by law. Comedy Day. Sunday, September 16th at Robin Williams. Medal in Golden Gate Park. It's free. Visit comedyday.org for complete details. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsadai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. 
incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Trying to hurt me, but boy, how it burns me whenever she touched me. And oh, I feel so lucky. Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be, like, in front of an audience? Like, other than, like, squirrels, dogs, and dead persons? Oh, shit. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought.